Grab your Bibles out. We're going to turn to Luke chapter 6.45 and pick up where we left off last week. As you turn there, let me just pray for us. Father, I thank you that even though there are many moments, perhaps, for each of us in our own lives that we genuinely don't know quite where we're going, that we can always entrust the details of our lives to the Good Shepherd, the one who is able, the one who is always at work in our hearts personally, in the midst of our circumstance, even in the midst of what seems like chaos all around us. You are at work. You are accomplishing your purposes and your plans. And Lord, I pray that through the power of your Spirit, you would speak to each one of us today. Give us listening ears. Give us a receptive heart. May your words go deep within us. May they accomplish a great harvest for your glory. And Lord, we gather with that intention to come and to lean in and to listen, to know you, to grab a hold of your word. And we thank you that you are a God who has grabbed a hold of us and you will never let us go. Praise you for your faithfulness. Praise you for your everlasting kindness towards us. And thank you, Lord, for all that you desire to do, even today as we gather in your name. We pray together. Amen. Amen. So Luke chapter 7, or Luke chapter 6, sorry, verse 45 is where we're going to begin. And last week I begun what would just be a couple of weeks on a particular topic, a topic that we revisit from time to time, but I strongly felt on my heart as we begin a new year and we've kind of set the scene a little bit of some different things that we sense God is leading us into this year but I personally felt that it was really worthwhile for us as a people and for each of us personally to take some time to look at what I am calling and titling matters of the heart. So we looked at this passage last week but I want to quickly revisit it, reset the scene and then move into what I believe is before us today. So Luke chapter 6, verse 43, 45 is the passage we're heading to, but we'll get the context. And Jesus is in a passage. It's not one of those feel-good sermons that he's he's been encouraging people with. It's a, a long passage dealing with many different issues. He's talked about the need to love enemies. He's talked about not judging people, not holding on to bitterness, not harboring unforgiveness in our heart, not being hypocrites. And then in that context, all these are external behaviors, if you like, the way that we react, the way that we treat others and we respond in certain circumstances. But he makes this statement in Luke 6, 43. He says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there's this picture of heart, a heart bringing forth overflow or from the abundance Similar words, similar context. From, from whatever is coming out of there, there's either good or bad. From bad comes bad, from good comes good. And even the expression there, the treasure, from the treasure 
in a man's heart comes forth good or bad. The treasure. Think about that. What is it that we treasure? Are they good things or are they not so good things? See, what I believe that Jesus is trying to address here, having talked about all of these external behavioral type things, if you like, not judging, not being a hypocrite, not holding on to unforgiveness and bitterness, all of this behavioral stuff, he says, but here's the real root of the problem. Here is where it all stems from. It comes from your heart. And this is, we set this up last week, but we talked about the fact that the gospel, the power of the gospel, the message of the cross, the preaching and teaching of Jesus, it wasn't just a behavioral modification program. He didn't come just to say, here is the list of things you must do. You must try harder here. You must do less of that. It's far less a behavior modification. It's far more a heart transplant. And I would say without any shadow of the doubt that it's only the gospel. It's only the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that can truly bring about change in a person's life. Takes us from being a sinner to a saint. Transforms Paul from being a, a terrorist to the greatest evangelist the world has ever seen. Peter from being a, a cowering fisherman to being a bold evangelist, and so on goes the list. The power of the gospel to transform lives. And so often I believe our problem is that we, we get caught up personally and even in a broader setting in trying to manage and maintain behaviours. Our focus is out there, and in one sense that's not bad, but so often that's just the fruit of what's in here. And Jesus is saying, okay, there's all that, and that is bad. But really, it's all stemming from an issue of the heart. We also looked at Proverbs 4. If you want to, you can quickly turn there, but I'll just give you the one verse that was also a focus as we painted the scene. And the writer there says this in verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Some translations say, Guard your heart above all things. Why? Explanation is given in the second half of that verse. For from it flow the springs of life. Some translations again say, for from it flow the issues of life. So again, this same picture of the heart being a flow. And we took a moment to examine, well, what is the flow of your heart? What is the overflow of your heart? When things get tough, when things get difficult... There's this picture of flow. There's a picture of Jesus is saying, out of the good, out of the treasure, if there's good treasure in your heart, good things flow. If there's bad treasure, if you're holding on to stuff that for some reason you're treasuring that needs to be dealt with, what's coming out? All manner of things, bitterness, hurt, rage, envy, jealousy, grumbling, complaining, bitterness, fill in the blank. All of this comes from the heart. And I believe in those two passages and elsewhere, we can prove that scripturally. And yet we see in Proverbs, there's also a call there, isn't there? That we are to guard our hearts. We're to keep our hearts. And if we're to guard it, then not only is it valuable, but we should expect that there'll be moments when things come to attack. Things come to distract. Things come to 
distort. And therefore, we are to guard with vigilance, with intention. And as we, final point of review before we move on to where I'd like us to go this morning. You see, so often I believe we, we perhaps look at our lives and there was two pictures we covered last week and we think, well, why is it that it just feels like everything is barren? Why is it that I look around and there's just no flow, there's no joy, there's no anything? And I would suggest so often it's because we've failed to guard our heart, to deal with the issues of our heart? Why is it sometimes that we have patterns of behaviour and thinking, things that we just cannot break or shake? We've done it all, we've tried everything, nothing we do to manage our behaviour works. So often I would believe, I believe that that is because we've never actually dealt with the root issues. We're just dealing with the symptoms. We're just managing the pain. We're just trying to change the behavior without ever taking a moment to examine where that actually comes from. And I want to give us this encouragement. Last time we talked about Psalm 1, this picture of the tree whose leaves never wither. It bears fruit in season and out of season. Another wonderful picture, Psalm 147 verse 3. It says, God is the God who heals all our brokenness and who binds up our wounds. You see, I, I really believe that that is his intention. That as we look around, and, and so often as we look within, that there is profound brokenness that we see. But the encouragement is that God is a healing God. And he came not just to cleanse us of our sin. If that was enough, my life is on the altar. If that was all, then... He's worthy of eternal praise. But he's a loving God and he wants us to walk in wholeness. He wants to heal the issues of our heart. And so this is not, sometimes when we talk about these issues, this is the disclaimer, is that at times we go into one of two, two different places and both are equally unhealthy. We go down the path of saying, well, I don't have any issues. I don't have any problems. I'm fine. And, and didn't Christ fix it all up on the cross? Didn't he? I'm a new creation. There's no more woundedness. There's no more stuff. And the answer is yes and no. Yes and no. Yes, because we are a new creation. Yes, because our spirit is alive from death to life. But no in the sense that we still live in this state of woundedness. And we will never reach perfection. I hate to break it to anyone here this side of eternity, that there will be stuff. But we can go down another path as well where rather than living in denial that there's any issues, we get so caught up in being introspective that we develop a victim mentality, that we're finding issues under every bush, that we're looking within only so we can find another label. You see, here's another way that I'm broken. And I want to encourage us as we look at issues of the heart, we're doing it for one reason. It's not to find new labels, it's to find new life. Because he is the God that wants to come into the midst of our stuff and our brokenness. He wants to meet us right where we're at, like the woman at the well. Why? To offer us life. Come and take a drink of the life that I have to offer. So that's where we're headed. But let's just wind the clock back. I, I want us to briefly review where this woundedness or where does this brokenness come from? 
And for some of us, hopefully for many of us, this will be pure review. But grab your Bibles. Let's go on a bit of a history lesson. Turn to Genesis chapter 2. Wonderful passage, of course. All of Genesis is good. But just this account of how God created, and it says he, he breathes the planets and the stars, and he, he speaks them into existence, calls things that were not as they were, this picture of the power and the might and the majesty of God. But then it comes time to create man. And it says in verse 7 of chapter 2, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust. Now, first of all, that word there for form, this is very different. Up till now, we've seen the power of God as he, he speaks. We've seen his majesty displayed. He just speaks a word. And there it is, planets, stars. But he formed. And this is a word that indicates him, literally, the, the, the context is a master craftsman who's molding the clay. So he's personally involved. He's molding, he's making He's creating man. So the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. You could even translate that. He, he kissed into him the breath of life. Like that's, that's the picture. It's a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of closeness that he speaks and he creates. But there's something entirely different with mankind. He forms him. I almost imagine it's the scene, and every father will tell you there's a moment when you first hold your newborn, when you first look at this perfect creation that you've had a part in making. And there's no words that can describe that. It's an overwhelming emotion. The amount that you can feel for this little newly created life. The love, the, the, the thoughts of good and kindness. And really this is what Genesis is describing to us. This is God's heart for creation, for mankind. Ephesians says that you and I were purposed in his heart before the foundation of the world. We were predestined in love, in love. Before he did anything else, he purposed us in love. This is our inheritance. This is what we were made for. We were made to experience the love of an eternal God. And you cannot shake this. You cannot get away from this reality. The deeper you go into Scripture, the more is revealed of the eternal love of God. 1 John 4, 7. John says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Here's the point. There's two concepts. There's God and love. And John is saying they are, are so intrinsically inseparable. You cannot have one without the other. You cannot claim to know God and not know love. Because to know God is to know love, fully. As if we can know God on some level, but to fully know God is to experience love. And by the same token, you can never know love in its fullest sense until you gaze into the eyes of perfect love 
of your heavenly Father. They're so connected. We're created by a God of love, for love, and to love. We're hardwired to love, whether we like it or not. The question is not whether you will love. The question is, what will you love? What will be the source of love in your life? We are endlessly thirsty for love because that's the way God's made us. He's made us for this. He's made us to to bathe in it, to live in it, to dwell in it, to encounter it, to be satisfied each morning with his eternal love. But of course, we all know the story from here is that something happened in this particular picture. Sin came in to the garden, into this picture of perfection. Sin interrupted the narrative. And not only was something introduced, but something was lost. You see, wherever there is a removal of love, just think this through, wherever love is removed, there is something that is lost. There's a sense of woundedness, there's a sense of hurt. At worst, there's a sense of death. As many um, social experiments being done in, in orphanages over the years of young children that have been given all the essentials of life in terms of food and shelter and clothing and others that were demonstrably loved. They had carers who loved them. In every instance, the kids who were loved did far better. In some cases, the kids who were not loved, they died. They had no purpose to live for because there was no love. You see, if, if you remove love, maybe it's the love of, a, of a, a loved one, maybe it's the loss of a child, a, a bad breakup, whatever it is. What's the first response when love is broken or interrupted or worst case lost? There is woundedness, yes? There is hurt and there is pain. So it is my belief that ever since the fall, not only was sin introduced, but that every human being is born with some sense of of woundedness and brokenness in their heart. And if that was the end of the story, that would be difficult enough for us to deal with. But it continues. Not only are we born with it, but we experience it on a day-to-day basis. And not only us, from the very first family on planet Earth, not only did Adam and Eve mess up and sin, but within their family they had Cain who killed Abel, they had selfishness, they had murder, they had all sorts of broken sin from the very first family onward. Does that make anyone feel a little bit better about their own families? Possibly. The reality is this, we're surrounded by brokenness and I don't mean to depress you, don't worry, we're going to land in a good place, but I want us to be aware that this is the condition. And this is, therefore, because it's a condition, something that Christ has come to redeem. He's not just come to save us from our sins. And if that was all it was, that's enough. But he's come, as we read, the Psalms proclaim, he's come to bind up the broken heart. Isaiah 61 proclaimed it. He's preaching the good news. He's binding up the brokenhearted. That's part of his mission. And of course, as we read on as well, wherever there is wounding, there's an instantaneous human reaction. If you read on, what's the first thing? What's the first response of Adam and Eve? They go and hide. There's fear. 
They go and make for themselves fig leaves. There's shame, there's a sense and a need for them to cover up. Where wounding exists, there's fear, there's shame, there's all manner of us trying to deal with the pain that is within us. Woundedness in our life is a breeding ground for all kinds and manners of stuff. It's exactly what Jesus is saying. He's saying, recognize that your heart is a flow. And if there's good in there, if there's healing to your heart, then good will flow out. But if there's not, it's going to be a breeding ground of stuff. And there's no point in trying to manage behavior when there's deep woundedness here. From the bad, bad is coming out. From the brokenness, there will always be brokenness coming forth. And as I look around, as I reflect on my own life with the Lord over many years, as I look in the life of many believers, I would say that it's very evident to me that this is an issue that we need to, to deal with, to wrestle with. There is brokenness within our hearts, but it's a brokenness that he came to heal. Let me come at this from a completely different angle. I remember sitting around, there was a group of, uh, I think there was 12 men, this is the, a couple of years ago, year before last, I think if I'm correct, and we sat there walking through a series that was specifically designed to help men get free of sexual bondage, in particular, but any kind of addictive behavior. And so you, you watch some DVDs and then you have a discussion. And I remember there was this one session, we'd done a couple of introductory sessions, and then there was one that really delved with the issues of the heart. And in this particular group, we had men that were some in their late teens through to early 60s, and completely different life stories, completely different background and history. Some have been walking with the Lord for a long time, some for just a shorter period. And it just struck me as we were in the midst of this discussion, and as I asked these guys, let's just open up and share about some of the deep issues of our heart. And it was almost like you could get out the checklist and you could tick the boxes. Because time after time, after time, different backgrounds, different history, there was the same core issues, core issues of shame, core issues of loneliness. No one gets me. I'm all alone. No one understands me. I'm isolated. I've withdrawn myself. The same core issues were at work in each and every heart. And the thing that struck me was, I think I even said it to the group, I was like, I cannot get over the fact that we are so different as people and yet we're so similar in all the core issues of our heart. It just, it's always a fascinating reality. We're not that different, even though we'd like to think that we were. But there are core issues that are in our hearts that God would love nothing more than to heal. And let me say this too, you see, my heart and my desire and my passion in sharing a message like this is not only so that we can walk in greater health and wholeness, but I think that's a good aim in and of itself. But it's also because the more that I look at the world around me, I see broken people who are also in need of healing. 
So my heart would not only be that we could walk in a greater sense of wholeness, but that we could bring healing to others. If there's one place on the planet that should be a picture of health, that should be a picture of wholeness, that should be a picture of community, that should be an expression of love, it's here. It's within the four walls of the church. And I know, because I've been in pastoral ministry for many years, that so often the church can be anything but. It can be the place that we come along and we put our faces on and we pretend like everything's okay, we get along with our life and we gossip over a cup of coffee about so-and-so and what's going on over there and fill in the blank. But wouldn't it be an incredible goal to have to say, God, would you make us healthy individually so that we can be as much of a perfect ref reflection of your love? of the way that we love one another sacrificially, of the way that we don't hold on to stuff, we don't hang on to bitterness, of the way that we allow you to heal our hearts so that we can live healthy and whole in our relationship with you and relationship with other people. Would that be a good goal? Some of us would say yes. So let's continue on. What I want to talk about now, having set that scene, is well, how do we actually deal with some of these issues? And I don't want to kind of unpack each one because I know that for some of us there is different things. For some of us maybe it is it's bitterness and grumbling. For some of us maybe you have been hurt and the treasure that you believe you need to hold on to is unforgiveness against the person who's wronged you, wronged you and that's, that's a value, that's your treasure. But out of that place is just coming stuff. Maybe it's sinful behaviour. You know, maybe it's things that nobody else knows about you, but you know that you're hanging on to them in your heart. And we could unpack each one of those issues individually. But I'd rather look not at the issues themselves, but on how do we just get healing in the midst of our hearts and our lives. And this is the greatest tool that I've come across. And it's, uh, it, it comes from a particular prayer model that we've used for many years now called transformational prayer. And it's simply this. It's the premise that God is a God of truth and that he wants to bring his truth and his reality into the midst of our lives and our pain and our brokenness. At the same time, there is an enemy who is a father of lies. In fact, it goes as far in John 8.44 to say, he is a liar from the beginning and when he lies, he speaks the native tongue. So there's an enemy come with deception saying, this is, this is the truth. And there's a father of all tenderness, of all love, who's saying, this is the truth. And it's moving from lies into truth. So let me share just a couple of stories from my personal walk with the Lord, and then we'll conclude this and just see what the Lord wants to do in our hearts. You see, I have personally journeyed with this reality of lies that I hang on to, and sometimes it's lies that perhaps the enemy would come. Sometimes it's just lies that we pick up ourselves, and we make the lies our identity. But there was a moment in my life, and I'll just share my personal testimonies just to air all my dirty laundry, and I'd rather share mine than someone else's. You might look at these things and say, oh, well, they're nothing compared to, you know, you haven't, you haven't been through anything compared to what I've been through, and that's probably true. But the principles are the same when we hang on to this stuff in our hearts. 
But I had a moment about five years ago. And I've always been someone who has prided myself in my ability to cope. I'm the strong one. I can hold it together. I can do anything. If people say that it can't be done, to me, that's just a challenge. That's kind of the mentality. That's the perspective. There's a lot of pride in there. There's no doubt about it. And there was a season in my life It was particularly busy. We had three young kids, three under about four years of age. We had a fourth one on the way. And I was in the midst of ministry. And you know, when the Lord called me, I said, God, you're going to be so pleased that you called me. You're not going to believe all the things that I'm going to do for you. I'm going to save the world and change it. And I was on a mission. I thought it was a mission from God, but it was a mission to prove myself in my own eyes. And yet, in the midst of that scenario that just continues, now that's a never-ending cycle. It's a never-ending spiral. And so we got to a moment where everything began to fall apart. And my health deteriorated, and I got this chronic arthritis. For those who were around some years ago, you'll remember, I could not even stand to preach through a sermon. It was so frustrating because I like to move around. And I sat on a seat and attempted to preach. I said, God, I can't do this. This is ridiculous. This is not good for me or anyone else. And so I was in this place of just desperation, of crying out to the Lord. I tried some medications. I tried uh, different dietary things, whatever I could do to try and fix it. And there was some improvement with different things, but still I struggled. And there was, in the midst of a, a point of desperation, I was sitting down with someone for ministry. And in that moment, God spoke to me. And he simply said this, he said, Andrew, you've never let me down. And you might think, well, that's an interesting thing for him to say, but I knew exactly what he meant in that particular moment. And that truth set me free from this mentality that somehow I had to prove myself to God. I could not fail because it was all riding on my ability to perform. If I could just get there, if I could just reach perfection, and that's a big standard to reach, if I could just do this right, then maybe God would be proud of me. Maybe finally I'd hear those words that I long to hear. This is my beloved son. And you know, I was a mess in the moment, but just allowing the truth of God to replace the lie that I'd held on to for so many, so many years. And that it got me to this horrible place where there was stuff coming out, but it wasn't good stuff. And it took me to get to, you have no idea how difficult it was for me even to ask help. Because I would never do that. Never. It was a very humbling thing. But I tell you what, from that moment on, I got better. The doctor said the arthritis had never improved. I'm completely pain-free and I haven't had any reoccurrences. And I can tell you, I still remember that moment. I still hang on to that reality. And it literally changed that particular area of my life. I feel free. There's no pressure. There's no performance. Let me share another one. One more story. Have you got time for one more story? Then we'll pray. Or I could do two if you'd rather. Any other offers? Three? Like three more stories? 
Well, here's, let me share another one from me and then I'll share one from someone else. I had another moment with the Lord. And, and see, all of this is to illustrate how there, there's all, whether we like it or not, there's areas of brokenness in our lives that God wants to come in and bring his truth. He, come, he wants to come and bring his healing. And part of this story I've shared before, but a couple of years ago, the three pastors, we were at a particular conference. It wasn't here. We'd taken some time out to go and just seek the Lord together. We're in this large stadium event. And in this stadium event, we didn't know anybody there. It was all um, set seating, so we found our seats, the three of us. We sat down. We're just starting off in the midst of worship, the first song, and I got this tap on the shoulder. And I just thought, oh, you're kidding me. Who is here? It's not, no one here, of course, but I thought, who is here? I don't know anybody in this whole stadium. I got this tap on the shoulder, and there was this lovely lady behind me. And she said, look, I've got a word from the Lord for you. And I should give a bit of context, actually. The night before we started, the, 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 we were at the conference, I prayed as I often do. I said, Lord, I'm here, and if there's anything you want to deal with in my heart, then I'm open. Who knows that's a dangerous prayer to pray. That's a dangerous prayer, but it's also a freeing prayer. So I prayed that prayer, and that particular night I went to sleep and I had this dream. And this particular dream was of me, and I was sitting there in a dark office, and there was this long line of people waiting to see me. And one by one, these people came. And in, in each and every time, they took a seat in a chair across from me, sitting there. They looked at me and they told me all the things that they didn't like about me, all the reasons that they, they wouldn't be my friend anymore or they'd have to go here. And it was just this procession. And then the last person came and left and then I woke up. And I thought, Lord, that was not the dream I was after. Where's the dream about anointing and power and... So we're at the conference, I got a tap on the shoulder, and this lady said, look, I've got a word for you. So I thought, okay, what have I got to lose? Share what it is. And she said, I saw this picture of a turtle. Ever get those words? And you're like, I've got nowhere to run, so <laughs> let me have it. Turtle it is. And she said, this is the picture I see, that you, you're like a turtle in that a turtle prides itself in its strength, in its shell. But the reality is that it cannot move and retreat into its shell at the same time. And God is telling you that there is hurt and there's woundedness in your heart that's causing you to use your strength as a shield, but it's hindering your walk with him and your walk with others. Good word. Thank you, Jesus. Fantastic. And, you know, I'm like, all right. It didn't mean too much to me in the moment, but I said, look, I'll pray about it, and she emailed it to me. And I sat down, and again, I had, I had some ministry in that particular area, and God began to show me, even from the time that I was young, growing up in school, I was remembering these things, these moments where I would pride myself that I was friends with everybody, but friends with nobody. Anyone else like that? Like, I could be friends with anyone. I could be in this group and that group, but then I could also go, you know what, I'm just going to stay by myself. And I would never allow myself to get too close to anybody. And that I would use my strength as a shield to climb inside. And I had to get real with the Lord. And here he was the lie. I said, God, where does this all come from? And there was a number of times in my life, due to other things that I won't even go into, where this was the lie that I believed. It was simply this, I'm better off alone. I'm better off alone. I'm actually better off. People are only going to let you down. So I'm better off. 
Let's retreat in my shell. Hideaway. I'm better off alone. I'm better off there. You know, it's fun to live as a castle. You can just pull up your drawbridge and just be all alone and by yourself. The problem is, the longer you stay there, the hungrier you get. And there's a point, of course, that eventually there's a place of starvation. And I'd cut myself off from the very thing that I needed. There's another particular lie that the Lord dealt with. One more story. I had a very good friend, and this is not something that I've dealt with, which is why I share his story, and he's given me permission in the past to share it, so I hope that still stands. If not, I'll ask for forgiveness later. But he had a very difficult upbringing, particularly with his father, and as a result, he chose to hang on to bitterness and resentment and, in particular, anger. He was so angry. Every time he thought of his dad, he was consumed by this anger. And he had... uh, Cutting a very long story short, he had over 10 years where he had a crippling health condition. It was so crippling that he could hardly sleep at night. His wife used to try and do everything she could just to get him settled so that he could get any sleep. He tried all medicine. He tried all everything he could think of, diets, etc., etc., to try and deal with this chronic condition, and nothing had touched it. There was some relief, came and went, but it was always still there. Until in one moment, he shares, just like this, just in a moment, God speaks to him and gives him this truth. This anger is not serving you well. This anger is not serving you well. And it was like a light bulb moment for him. It's amazing how we hang on to these things because we think for some reason, hanging on, this is my treasure. In fact, sometimes it goes to the extent I've encountered people who they won't let it go because they're afraid of who they'll be if this is gone. This is all I've got left to hang on to this anger. My dad's gone. I've been wronged in this way. All I can do is hang on to this stuff, not realizing that in the end it's going to kill us. It's like hanging on to a tumor. It's a life sentence. But we have a specialist surgeon, and that's his desire this morning is to bring his truth into whatever woundedness there is. And the end of his story was he dealt with his anger and he has been completely free. He's had no reoccurrences. The medical condition left him. No further ill feeling. Now, I'm not saying that always issues of the heart result in physical illness, but in my experience, often they do. Often there is a link between these two things. And I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people who are so willing to hang on to their treasure, hang on to their bitterness, hang on to their resentment, hang on to their unforgiveness without coming to the one who knows exactly what to do with it. So let's do this. Let's just put our Bibles aside. That's an amen for the sermon, but I don't want to leave us without any time for the Holy Spirit just to speak to each of our hearts. If there's someone from the worship team or the worship team that's happy to come forward, that would help us. Now, I want to see us be people who walk in health and wholeness. And if I want to see that, how much more does your loving Heavenly Father? How much more is that his desire? You know, if anything happens to my kids, if they're walking in any sort of pain at all, be it physical, be it struggles, 
You know, it is my delight, my desire to be there. And the only thing that will ever hinder hinder that is if they say, well, no, Dad, we don't need you. And that's never happened. But that's exactly what we do at times. His desire and his delight, he is the God who heals our woundedness. He is the God who binds up our wounds. He's near to the brokenhearted. And all that we need to do is we need to allow his truth to come in and reveal those areas. It might be, there might be something in what I've shared that rings true with you. It might be something completely different. But would you be bold enough this morning, just between you and the Lord, to just ask him, God, would you search my heart? Would you show me, is there, is there any stuff that I need to deal with this morning? And if there is, this is the moment to just give it to him. Now, I'd love to say that you could just do that and instantly years of bitterness and unforgiveness and will all be instantly resolved. That may be the case. I've seen that. But it may be that this is the beginning of a process. So if there are things that the Lord is revealing to you, I want to encourage you, come and see a pastor. Come and see an elder, a board member. Don't walk this journey alone. Let's be a people who know what it is to get whole ourselves, but to help one another walk in greater wholeness and health. Let's pray. So Father, I I just pray that whatever is of you for each one of us here this morning, would you cause that through the power of your Spirit? Come and shine your spotlight there's issues of the heart, God, if there is things that, that we know already that we need to deal with, would there be a grace today to allow your truth to come? This anger, this, this bitterness, this unforgiveness is not serving me well. This treasure that I'm holding on to. Lord, if there's other things that we're not even aware of, if there's areas of of our heart that you want to deal with so that we can go deeper into you, so that we can not be hindered in all that you're calling us to. Lord, if there's patterns of behavior and shame and sin that we just cannot manage anymore, Would you show us whether they in fact come from issues that you need to resolve in our hearts? And I thank you more than anything that you are a loving Father, God. Would we never lose that reality of a God who bends down to breathe life into us? A God who proclaims over every son and daughter with great joy, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. And would we know what it is, God, to be a people who allow 
that love to fill us, to wash over us, and to bring healing to the deepest places of our hearts. But we want to be a people who know what it is to bring good forth from the good that's in our hearts. We want to know what it is to be a people who know how to keep our heart with all vigilance. So search us this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name.